Welcome to Functional Design and Closure. I'm Christoph Newman. And I am Nate Jones. We're here to help you use closure and functional programming to make your everyday life as a developer less frustrating and more fulfilling. Yeah, are you uh, confused about something in Clojure, or do you you want us to talk about? It? You have a question for us, uh, something you're wondering about um, from you know you've heard us talk about in the past. You want us to expand on, or something that we haven't covered? Um, yeah, please reach out to us. Yeah, if that sounds like you, the way to reach us is to tweet at us at Closure Design or send us an email um, at feedback at closuredesign.club. Or just come hop into the Clojurian Slack channel, Closure Design Dash Podcast, and we can chat there. Uh, like like we did for today's topic, as a matter of fact. <laughs> yeah, definitely. We had um, uh, Stefan from our from our podcast channel. Uh, he 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 popped in and, and asked. Uh, actually, I think we we've we had conversations with him before, um, so he's he's a regular. Um, but he asked us if we had ever used. Um, specter or spectacles um, if we're if we're using either one of those regularly um, yes well and you know for driving like spectacles for driving or for reading <laughs> reading the menu oh <laughs> uh, yes not those spectacles yes no, you're, no make, the, the closure lens spectacles st- the, the lens library yes stop making a spectacle of yourself there Christoph <laughs> nice couldn't resist yeah, and so so to take that topic and step back a little bit, uh, maybe we'll let, why don't we just start with a quick overview? So, like Spectre is is really all about tree manipulation. So so it gives you it gives you these uh, navigators, as he he calls it, and mm-hmm. and the idea is you sort of you sort of work your way through a tree of data and and, and kind of get to a point in that tree of data where you can do you can do some kind of update or some sort of transformation. And the more nested your data is, the more this really becomes a problem, right? Like like if you just have a flat map, it's it's pretty straightforward for the most part to map it. There there's a couple of nuances if you want to write generic functions that ought, like do a transform on a map, like calling empty on the map you got handed and things like that instead of just making a new map that might be in the wrong type. But but when you when you nest data, you you run into this problem of like getting down into the guts of the tree, so that you can you know get your work done. It's kind of like surgery, right? You, you yeah. <laughs> you can't get started until you get to where you need to work. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe yeah. that's a gross metaphor, but yeah. that's the metaphor I'm thinking of. <laughs> you should you shouldn't cut before you you uh you get to the right level, right? Yeah, I think right. I, in in you know the, one of the the the, the environments in which uh, Spectre was created. Um, the, the author um, uh, Nathan Mars he says he was working a lot with DAGs with dis- directed acyclic graphs, which are you're basically trees that you you don't know how deep they go. You know that, that's and that's the point. Um, and so when you're dealing with that kind of data structure, and and you need to do some sort of transform to all of the all of the all the things that look similar. Well, the things that look similar might be at levels two, four, six, and eight. You know, you need, you need to be able to, to to do that kind of transform, and you don't you, you don't want to have to like uh, 
to, to, you know, basically reach closure walk or something like that. But um, the idea is that Spectre is, is highly performant and that it does that at, at, a, right. at, a, at a very fast speed and preserves the data structures that you have, which is important. You don't want to have things, you know, magically transforming into sequences when they wish to be vectors or that kind of thing. Right. And so a lens is a similar kind of, it, it, it tries to address a similar kind of problem. Lenses really come from your strongly typed functional programming languages like Haskell. And so so for those of us who are are users and and fans of get in and set in, <laughs> like basically get in and set in are great enclosure where we have strongly typed, but it's dynamically typed. Um the the issue runs into in a language such as Haskell, every layer of that nested data structure is is like another type door that you have to walk through, right? <laughs> and so just just to sort of get down into the tree, you have to have like a whole key ring, right? You have to be able to uh, uh, have the key that lets you unlock the type at the top of the tree and then the key that lets you unlock the type at the next level of the tree and the key that lets you unlock the type, uh, you know, down. So you, so you could find yourself writing a lot of very... Um, type specific data structure specific code at each level as you try to navigate down into the tree and then do the manipulation at that level and then of course you have to zip it all back up right you have to button it all back up on your way back out of the tree so that uh, because we we have immutable data types if you make a change six levels down into the tree then you're going to have a new reference to a new thing so then when you step up to its parent Right, you you have to weave that new reference into that structure, and then that's going to give you a new reference. And when you step up to its parent, that's going to give you a new reference. So so you're you you're sort of like reassembling the tree on your way back out. And of course, you have to make sure each of those layers is of the right type. So so right. so you have these type gates kind of on the way down and the way back up. Yeah, it seems like it's a really um, interesting solution to a problem that we don't have in Closure. Like and that's and that's one of the things that has been interesting. Like over the course of my career, like that I've seen is that there's a lot of times where people come up with really novel and interesting and clever solutions to problems that that other people just don't have. Like I just don't have that problem. Like when I when I when I call get in, you know, I I I I'm not I'm I lots of times I don't at that point in time don't care what the type is. Like I'm I'm doing the right operation. I'll spec check it somewhere else. Um, but like because right. because Haskell is is statically typed, you have to come up with a mechanism to 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 get around the awful keyring problem and all the doors, and so they come up with lenses, and um, and so it's interesting that there is a lens like Spectacles is a lenses library for closure, and and it's it's trying to do the same thing <clears throat> as you know as as the as um, as lenses in Haskell. But it it's using closure spec as its type checker instead of you know other other type any, any other type checking system. Yes, you did com- you did call spec a type checker just now. <laughs> Drat for the record. <laughs> I knew it happened. Okay, put your pitchforks away, people. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it is a type checker. It's just a structural type checker instead of a name based type checker. Sure, which is sure. Far more useful than any name based type checker. I'll say yes, it. I'll yes. go on the record with that that statement. Okay, I'll buy that. I'll buy that. Yeah, and so I guess what one of the things that helps me understand why 
uh, you would find yourself in a position where you want to use Spectre or where you want to use Spectacles is to maybe look at the alternative. Because I know, Nate, you and I, in, in our closure development, we basically almost never use these tools, right? Like that is, we, oh. we end up, for what we do, right. they don't end up solving the problems we need. Yeah, I right. remember uh, at least a few times over the last couple of years in w- us working together where I would be like, oh, this is a particular problem that we could might, might be able to use Spectre for. And and we kind of would look at it a little bit and we kind of, you know, and then we go, oh, well, if we just wrote this code, we, we wouldn't have, you know, it's like, it's, we, we kind of would, would test that, that use case against Spectre and against the, the, you're taking that, that, that tool on, so to speak. Yeah, because they both have learning curves. Like, there isn't just the, oh, it's another dependency, so it's another set of jars, you know, right. pulling stuff in. Right. And now you're increasing your surface area of dependency. So, it's, I mean, there's always that. Anytime in, in coding, it's like, do I really want to pull in this whole dependency tree for that one function? Left well, pad. <laughs> right. Or whatever it is. Well, ev- <laughs> yes. every time you reach for a tool, you are inviting its complexity into your project. And so you have to make right. that trade-off. Like we, for instance, like I was thinking of like, what libraries are we invited into our projects? Well, there's one called Slugger. And Slugger, you reach for it and what it does is it takes a string and it makes a slug like you can use in a URL or you can use as like a sort of a, a human identifier, yeah. right? And Ke- it, A kebab of words, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah. And, and so the complexity of that tool is very low for the benefit that we get. And so it was, it was a, almost a no brainer to accept that into our system. Um, but when we looked at Spectre, you know, it's, there, there's a lot of cool things, but, but when we pull it in, when we, when we, when we, when we think about pulling it in we think about the complexity that it brings to our system and we haven't wanted to make that trade off yet, you know? Right. And so kind of in that note, um, Spectre is a DSL. So you're you're learning uh, a DSL that describes generic tree manipulation, and so if you if you're reading in large trees of data and you need to do some grooming on them or you need to do some pivoting on them, and then you're emitting them again, uh, then a, a DSL on tree manipulation can make a lot of sense. It's kind of right. like the the XSLT problem, like Ugh. the XML. <laughs> yeah, transform language, right? Like, like there's databases, there are XML databases, and you throw these big documents in, and you want to be able to manipulate those documents. Well, someone wants to be able to manipulate those documents, right? And and so XSLT tries to solve the generic manipulation of XML um, problem, which which is a is a useful thing in certain domains, right? Yeah, and and I think I think that's an important distinction to make is it's kind of like the the structure of your data will will kind of lead you towards a particular tool like if your data is like a a dag like or is is a is a is a arbitrarily nested and you don't you don't you, and it ha- and it has to be nested like if if there's something about the data that requires it to be in that nested form in order for it to be useful then 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 tree manipulation functions are are make a lot of sense i think one of right. the big reasons why we haven't reached for it is because Almost all of our data that we work on is is our it's in our format, so to speak. And well, yeah. So the tree, like we're pulling trees of data in, right? And and we're then interpreting those trees, right? It, we're we're not we're not kind of doing a a generic pass over them for something, but but we're 
like that tree is full of semantic information. And so then we have <laughs> right. what I would call a data model that gets created. And so you could think you could another way to look at a tree of information is as like a hierarchical model of or or a nested model of where every level is some kind of information for for your problem. Mm-hmm. So so just to make this concrete, back to uh, so our log manipulation episode, right? We had the notion of okay, you have a line, right? And we parse a line out of a uh, out of a log. And then we we can summarize it was our time log problem. So we can summarize mm-hmm. those by day, right? And so you might have a day um, and, and it talks about how many minutes of work you did in a day, but it would have a reference to a list of, um, you know, sessions of work, right? One, one for each line. And then you might have another level above that, which is week. So how much work you did in a week. And so it's going to have summary elements at the week level. And it might have a reference to a list of days, which might have a reference to a list of lines, right? So you, right. you start to, or entries, I guess, is what we call it. So you start to have a little bit of a hierarchy. But the thing is, at each of those levels, you, you have something that is semantically meaningful to your domain of computation, right? To your model of computation. You're talking right. about weeks, you're talking about days, you're talking about entries. And and you can write functions that, that use English words to describe <laughs> the manipulations at each of those levels. Oh yeah, we're definitely fans of English words. Yeah, so um, the the idea that you have multiple levels of data, but that each of those levels of data has a different semantic meaning that they are they they, they relate to the other ones, but they're not the same. Um, but like f- to contrast that, like talk about um, like if you're writing a tool that is doing some sort of file system manipulation, and you need to know like what's this tree of files and directories. Well, you know. Directories have files in them, and directories have directories, and directories have directories, and file. like it's you have a lot of homo- homogeneity, homogeneity, like a lot of similar things at different levels, and right, and, and it's arbitrarily nested, like you're saying before. You know, you can right. you can keep making folders inside of folders inside of folders inside of folders all day long. You know, there isn't right. a. It's not like our our weeks, days, entries like hierarchy. Exactly. And so like our weeks, days, entries hierarchy, we can, and we've talked about this many times in the podcast, um, but we can flatten that data structure so that it can be one, like instead of having a nesting, it can be one level because each of those different semantic meanings can have a different key or a different namespace on that key. And so it can, it can belong to the same map um, at one, at a flat map level, but arbitrarily nested directories, you, you can't do that with the data. Or if you did, you would lose the meaning. Like a directory that's four levels in could have the same name as a directory that's two levels in, but the fact that they're at those positions in the tree means something to them. Like the, their their position in the tree is a semantic meaning, not just right. th- their their identity. It's a so hierarchy of domain models. Like it's a hierarchy of 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 clear entities. You right. know, it's not it's not like node, which is an entity that can have a reference to node. And so you have an arbitrarily deep hierarchy of the same kind of thing, you know. Right. So so an example an example on the generic tree is um I don't know, several weeks back I was working with a REST endpoint 
and it was returning a big tree of data and we needed to take that data and just write it down for because we have like a loader that we're writing that's going to scour the data and pull the important things out and put it in a more uh, useful data model for us to actually do computation. A working but we data wanted model. to preserve right. the tree exactly. But right. the issue is this rest endpoint, uh, it scattered all these link tags, in, like all these link values in all throughout the whole tree. And these link values had URLs in them and the URLs had like the secret API key. And so like, we don't want to, we like, we want to purge all those. We don't need them. Uh, we want them to all go away. We don't want to be writing our secret API key down yeah. into our database for posterity. <laughs> so <laughs> we needed to walk through an arbitrarily deep nested JSON data structure that we, we don't control to, to get rid of all those link tags. And so in that right. case, I reach for closure walk, right? I could go through closure walk using closure walk. It can visit every node go, hey, am, am I in a map? Oh, I am. Okay, does it have a link key? Oh, it does. Okay, let's let's get rid of it, right? And closure walk was a way to sort of recursively go through and do an update at all those points in the tree, right? But that's a generic tree manipulation problem at that point in time. Yeah, definitely. I think that's the thing we've, we reach for by far when we've had these arbitrary, arbitrary uh, tree manipulation problems is closure walk. Uh, like the other one was that I can think of was we needed to um, stringify all the keys in a map at an arbitrary level um, in case they had namespaces in them. Because when we wrote them down to Mongo, the Mongo database driver would strip away all the namespaces. So we had to make them all strings. And so we wrote a little closure walk and then it would go through all, the, all of the keys and figure out you know, if they had namespaces and then it would stringify them if they did. So... Right. And so in, in something like Apache Storm, which Nathan Mars also wrote, like you, you, you're going to have um, a, a you know, sequence of these documents and, and you might want to do manipulation on them and then write them down again. And, and you want it to be very, very fast. And so something like Spectre is going to let you do those generic tree manipulations that are type preserving quickly um, in that domain. But, but the problem that like Nate, you and I tend to face is we have data from the outside. We want to ingest it and transform it into a computational data structure to do logic and reason on. And then we want to produce some kind of output view for that, like uh, Spectre and, and Spectacles don't help us with that problem so much for what we're doing. Right. So in the end, the answer to uh, Stefan's question is uh, that we that we don't. We don't end up using uh, Spectre or Spectacles. Um, but um, but we definitely you know think that they are um, useful contributions to the closure um, the closure ecosystem. <laughs> um, but st- well, it's definitely handy to have a way to do generic tree manipulation. Like it, it it really helps level up closure as a as a data manipulation language. Um, if if you had to map everything into like entities in order to represent a tree at all, the, boy, you know, you, you start to feel the crippling effect of that, right? Like being able to have arbitrarily deep um, maps inside of maps inside of lists inside of maps and, and wrangle those effectively is super useful for, for integration, especially. 
Yeah. I mean, yeah. Or if your data model, if your computational model really does force you into that. Um, I think uh, I think it'd be a good good opportunity if anyone is listening to this episode, you know, to let us know if you if there's any like situations that you have come across where Spectre has been um, a, a tool that has been very useful to your spectacles for that matter, um, and 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 what 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 design constraints uh, forced you into that, or um, I don't know, forced you into it, or you you followed into it, <laughs> and that'd be too arbitrary. Yeah. Yeah, like uh, so if you're listening and you have a lot of experience with one of those and you feel like it really made your project sing, then we would love to hear from you. Um, great, great way to get a hold of us is to send us email at feedback at closuredesign.club or tweet at us at Closure Design or hop into our Closurian Slack channel, Closure Design Dash Podcast, where we have already started the conversation on Spectre and Spectacles and you can... It's sitting there, right there, waiting for you to come join. <laughs> yes, definitely. Uh, and also, I, th- I don't know if we mentioned this before, but uh, Christoph and I are both going to be at the Closure Conj in a couple of weeks. And so if you're going to be yeah. there, that's another great way to uh, talk to us. And, and we may we may do some sort of a meetup or something uh, to meet and greet. Yeah, yeah we, we'd love to say hi, meet up. We'll be there. Um, we I don't know how you'll find us yet, but but we will be there. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. Oh, and um, by the way, you can also see all of our uh, past episodes and show notes, including the notes for this episode, on closure on our website at closuredesign.club. So we have um, all the links there. Yeah, all the links to uh, the things we talk about there too. If you want to go to the project pages, it's a it's a great resource. Yeah. All right, that's been fun. So we'll be back next week to talk about something else. Thanks for listening.